This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Hello. I have some news for you. Do ya? Yeah. <laughs> you? Yeah. Tell me. Tell me this news. This exciting news. I want to hear what you have to think about <laughs> okay. this. All right. So you and I went on the journey of the Halloween trilogy of the last few years. We did. And we're like, you know what? Really glad one came out. Two was pretty bad. Three was insulting. Mm -hmm. So, you know, was it really, should they have done it, Mm -hmm. right? What we also know is there is a Friday the 13th series that's finally coming back with a prequel television series called Crystal Lake. So this is like starting to get, so here's the newest. This is not, that's not the news. And the Hellraiser started over again. Right. And Exorcist is going to start over again. So now... Heather Langenkamp is on board to get Freddy Krueger back Mm -hmm. as an older woman. So Mm -hmm. we might be doing this one. Okay. It says when a Nightmare on Elm Street star Heather Langenkamp did already get to face down Freddy Krueger three times, but she hopes to see her character square off against Freddy one more time. And the genre legend is right to suggest that this could reinvigorate the series. Well, Kathy, in the horror court of law, <laughs> my opinion is, <laughs> generally speaking, I like them to try all the things. Sure. I'll so, see. I'll watch it. So I I watched the first of the Halloween trilogy and really enjoyed it. And I didn't think I would. Right. The other two were bad, but the first one still very solid movie. I would rewatch it. The new Hellraiser, good flick. They're going to do Exorcist. They're going to do all that. You know, so I'm hopeful. Yeah. Because I I don't know. I don't know which direction they'll go. Right. Because, F, you know, um, Freddy Krueger's Nightmare on Elm Street turned into like a da 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 you know kind of kind of clowny and funny and that's why it's often people's favorites because it got really silly and cheesy and hilarious and so it's funny to watch where it started out the first movie is pretty freaking frightening the idea right. especially the concept so depends on what kind of direction they go i know and here's the other thing if you're going to use heather langenkamp mm-hmm. you have to use robert england yeah you can't just cast anyone like you can cast anyone as michael he's in a mask right just have to write the stature yeah but you can't do this well i disagree kane hotter hello oh well no that is the one (laughs) exception because he put emotion to jason and he was really great as jason yeah i feel like that jason of all of the baddies or whatever it's like yeah no he's the best he was embodied but yeah yeah no i agree because michael yeah 
Suri keeps just popping up trying Suri's to be part of this conversation. She's like, I'm not sure. I'm like, sure. <laughs> I keep shutting her up. <laughs> Suri's like, I didn't get shut. You're not supposed to get it. Suri um, has a feeling about the she doesn't want <laughs> Nightmare on Elm back. Street movie. So anyway, that's my so, own. That'd be my caveat. Yeah. I look forward to it. Okay. Let's, let's put see, it that let's way. Let's see if it happens. And then I look forward to talking about it. <laughs> that's the fun thing about having a show is that when, when they try to do all this crazy shit, we can just be like, well, let me just be the judge of that. Right. I did want to mention that, and I don't think I've told you this before, but we had a couple of comments by a listener who goes by the username Zinni Cornus. And I don't, I don't know what their gender is or, or their real name or any of that. But we've gotten a couple of comments about a couple of different episodes. And I wanted to share Great. that with you because I know we, we like the feedback. So they said about the Jeffrey Dahmer series that we we talked about that series. Uh-huh. And they said another great episode. Thank you so much. It's been on my to watch list since its release, but I'm too scared to start mm, it because fair. of how heavy it seems. And you've confirmed that, uh, but very curious to see it. Great. And then they also commented on the Teal Swan mm. episode that we did. And they said, gosh, this episode was amazing. It's really interesting because listening to her on Instagram, I agree with her a lot of her stuff that she says, but I also see what you're saying about her. And then uh, they said, I could talk with you about her for hours. Those yeah. of you, those of you who comment on our episodes, which you can do in, I believe, Spotify and anchor. And then of course on the iTunes app, you can always put a review or what have you, but in Spotify, you can do little comments like this. So please make sure to do them. I'm watching out. And then I pin them to the top of, kind of our show on Spotify. And so they show up, but we just really appreciate your feedback. And of course, when it's positive, that's always, that always yeah. feels good and keeps us going because yeah. sometimes you feel like you're doing it in a vacuum. Sure. I mean, I see the numbers. I know people are listening, but it's like, sometimes we kind of want that back and forth on social yeah. media and stuff. So it was that's a lot of fun. And I well, thank to you that for that. You. Yeah, of course. So the next thing we're going to do is a little thing that we like to call the last few weeks as you may have noticed it's just become An- outbursts <laughs> animal in the house it's animal from the muppets it he was just a comes in a one time <laughs> i'll get back to singing it 2023 no I'm gonna, worries no 2023 it's gonna be as clear as day oh i see we're gonna have All voice lessons is this 2023 yes uh no not yet okay we're not in 2023 yet all right happy, happy almost new year This episode drops uh, December 30th. Excellent. Well, here we go. Number one. The film Reanimator is based on a story by what horror author? Got it. Numero dos. That's two, Shannon. (laughs) As of 1990. Thanks. You're welcome. Oh, God. As of of 1998, over 50% of Iceland's population believed in the existence of what? No. Remember the Russians believed in the Yeti. What? Bigfoot, right? Why? Isn't that the Russians? Number three, what is the purpose of a wealth therapist? Okay. Number four, <laughs> God. what is exploding head syndrome? <laughs> you singing... <laughs> You singing the theme song. Okay. 
According to Shelley Duvall, the infamous Here's Johnny scene took how many days to film and how many doors? <laughs> okay. That's a lot of fun. What I will <laughs> I will give you a little extra information, Shannon. You may already know this, but just to our listeners, that Jack Nicholson was a trained, I think, firefighter. So he got through that. They had to give him like a fake axe because he was just bludgeoning the shit out of these things. Mm. Yeah. He was in it. He was in it to win it. He was. He was. It's a great performance, no matter what was happening on the set. So today on the show, we are going to talk about the horror books that we read in 2022. Specifically, we're going to start with our little short list of our favorites, talk about the books, talk about why we like them. Maybe we disagree. We read some books together, but I'm actually coming into this cold as is Kathy. I don't know her list. She doesn't know my list. And then after we do our short list, we're actually going to kind of list and briefly describe you know, other books that we read that maybe didn't make the top list, but that we maybe read together in book club because the Terror Talk podcast has a book club as part of our Discord, which is part of our Patreon membership. I'd, I'd like to say one thing before you You're continue. You're going to say a lot of things. I know. And, and this is just a little teaser for the listeners. The book that we are reading for winter horror right now mm -hmm. is so good. <laughs> I cannot put it down. Oh, I'm glad you really like it. You I'm obsessed tell everyone with what it. it is? Um, it's, is it death at the disco? Is that what it's called? <laughs> or death by disco? It's what, something like that. Okay. I don't have it pulled up. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I didn't know we were going to share it. <laughs> you shared it. No, I didn't know. I thought we were going to keep it as a secret. Oh no, we could share it. No, it's not a secret at all. So what we did, what I did actually is that we are reading a book called my heart is a chainsaw by Stephen Graham Jones. And that's a longer book. So we're taking like five weeks to read that. But what I did was, is I split it up. So we just finished reading, you know, the third chunk of My Heart is a Chainsaw. And then what we did is over these two weeks for the holiday weeks, we are <laughs> reading Disco Death Trap. Disco Death by Trap. By Cameron yeah. Robique, which I've, God, or so Robicue, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, but. I've read a book by him before called Kill River, and now we're reading this because it's New Year's Eve 1980, and I specifically did a New Year's Eve book because last year I picked a Christmas book to read, and I, I did when I saw this description and I, I mean, it took me a couple of weeks to figure out what book we were going to read. Yeah. But when I saw this description and I saw reviews and stuff and I saw the author and I read it, I thought. Kathy's gonna like it. I'm I'm obsessed. Excellent. Um, very obsessed. So we will talk about those two books actually in January. You know, we always kind of we always bring our bring our horror books to the show. So, but now we're gonna rewind to our favorite books of 2022. So I will just start. Go for it. With so uh, for those of you who don't know, I am on Goodreads. I log all my books there. You can follow me, friend me, especially you know, just let me know you're a listener of the show, or that you know, if I see your profile has a lot of horror on it, I'll I'll obviously friend you back. Uh, my name is Shannon, and my little like logo, you know, picture on there is Jack from Nightmare. I was about to say, and I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everybody. That that almost just came out naturally when you said I'm Shannon. <laughs> 
I'm like, we're she done was, already? Oh, we're done. Goodbye. No, she was doing the tag on the show, but we're not done, damn it. Okay. So anyway, I so do. All, so it was really fun to pull up the 2022 challenge because I, you know, do a challenge every year of how many books I'm going to read and to see what I liked the best. And you know what came out? Number one of the books that I read this year was The Exorcist. It's a good one. Five out of five, ladies and gentlemen. So, I mean, for me, a five star review was pretty rare. It's literally the only book I rated five out of five. It's the same with movies. Five out of five is a very like rarefied air for me. It's got to have a lot of levels. It's got to be a good book, but also something else. So this movie of the exorcist has been a long time favorite horror movie of mine. It was a entry into horror when I was a kid along with alien. So as someone raised in in religion for a period of time i enjoyed the blend of discussions about faith and i enjoyed the priest really struggling to figure out his own belief mm -hmm. and i believe that i believe that the movie and the book deal with that slightly differently because they're obviously different vehicles but they both do it well the book a bit more because you get to hear a lot more of his internal struggle and then the blend of the truly graphic and frightening scenes blended with the discourse on the these universal themes, like both were happening. So just hit on so many different levels. And, you know, we've we read several classics this year and this one stands out still as really timeless. It didn't hit as old, quote unquote, old. And I also still enjoy the film like equally. I, I agree. And while we're on it, this is on my list as well. Okay, great. Let's um, talk about your thoughts. Yeah. Too. And I, I, I don't have much more to add because I totally agree with all that. And I think that when you've seen the movie first, sometimes going back and reading the book um, yeah. can give you a different feeling than when you read the book first and then you mm -hmm. watch the movie. A lot of people read the book and they're like, oh, the movie sucks, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so it's like clearly you, you, know, you, know, you have your own imagination when you're reading the book. I don't typically think of the cast when I read a book, I will cast them myself. But mm -hmm. Ellen Burstyn made sense to me. I saw her as the mother through this because her performance was so on point right. and she's so great. I, I don't think, you know, we also read Rosemary's Baby, which was a great book. It's not on my list, but I didn't picture Mia Farrow when I was right in the that house book. on one of the Hill House one or yeah. whatever we read. And yeah, yeah. The, the, you're right. You're absolutely right. But Ellen Burson really just captured. Um, she was so good in it. So good in it. But I agree with you that the one thing I appreciate the most about this book was it really was more focused on Father Karras's, um struggle with his faith and how and the cognitive dissonance and what needed to happen for him to to realize how he identified and and you know then became very close to the situation and that was you know life ending but the the way the book is written is so it's so much deeper mm -hmm. the characters even the characters in the house or in her house that you know her maids her helpers whatever they all had a depth to them. Right, there was right. a backstory to everyone that just isn't captured. And William Friedkin did a great job. I mean, he put a lot into that film, everything from spending a year just to find the right composer on the most simple, mm -hmm. you know, music. It was a wonderful film, but the book was, and I'm not someone who will always say the book was so much better. The book was really 
fantastic. Yeah, I like them both equally. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the book and the movie for very for different reasons because you know you can't have that kind of character development in a movie. You have to pick a line and pick a story and pick like your main characters to develop and and I think they do that and there were just like Kathy's saying there was this these differences in the character choices that were very different from the movie actually you know Ellen Burstyn's character in the book because it's Ellen Burstyn yeah uh, is is different with the priest and and you know flirty and all this stuff that we noticed in the book that was very different which I totally understand why they didn't put that in the movie it would have really clouded the issue you know and it makes sense as actors and editors can can really shape a story differently so the source material is this depth of character and then you know actors and editors and film is so collaborative and writing a book is so solitary that it just becomes this very different collaboration but i i really value both of them so that's my five out of five book i don't know so that's The Exorcist. You want to bring one to the table? Yeah. Um, this one didn't get quite a five out of five, um, but I would say like four to four and a half out of five. That's I really enjoyed good, it. Though. It is. Um, and it's actually a Norwegian crime writer by the name of Joe Nesbo. Like him. Yeah. And so I read The Snowman last year. Okay. Um, towards It was like towards the end of 21 into 22. And I know that there's been a film adaptation of this book I've never seen But the book, I'll just give you a quick synopsis of what it's about. Oslo in November, the first snow of the season has fallen. A boy named Jonas wakes in the middle of the night to find his mother gone. Out his window in the cold moonlight, he sees the snowman that inexplicably appeared in the yard earlier in that day. Around its neck is his mother's pink scarf. Hole who's a a detective and this is one of many of Nesbo's books where he uses the detective Harry Hole, which is a funny name. Hole suspects a link between a menacing letter he's received and the disappearance of Jonas's mother and of perhaps a dozen other women, all of whom went missing on that day of the first snowfall. As his investigation deepens, something else emerges. He's becoming a pawn in an increasingly terrifying game whose rules are devised and constantly revised by the killer. This is a very, the way this book is written has a very classic, how do I describe this? Like a classic crime novel, even though it's not old, it's written with the suspense of Hitchcock and Agatha Christie. It takes you on a full ride. That's why it's in that horror thriller genre. Oh my gosh. Like you really, it keeps turning corners the whole time. Would you say it has horror elements or is it more thriller? It is a psychological thriller, but there are some moments Uh in the book that are like you... I was scared in okay. my room yeah, reading it because I see that author in the horror section. Yeah, he's definitely m- store. He's definitely so. more of a, a, at least in this book, it is a thriller. Okay, but there are some real horror elements, um, and some big scares in this book. That if you haven't read this book, and it's pretty popular, and I never read it before, I really recommend it. It's it's Great. a it's long. But it's good. And just like we were saying in The Exorcist, all of the characters are deliberately executed and you are reading it, it from the vantage point of whole. I really love that. Yeah. That's really important. I just looked over at my bookshelf, which is behind Do you me. have it? And no, I don't oh, Joe have Nesbo, it, though. but I have Joe Nesbo's The Red Breast, which okay. I've also heard was really good, yeah. but I haven't read it. There you go. So 
I got to get on this and I got to get on the different authors. The next one I'm going to mention is Audition. Oh, you read the book. Yeah, I read the book this year. So I wanted to couple these together because The Exorcist was an important movie for me when I was younger. And Audition is also was also an important movie for me when I was younger as well and continues to be sort of on my lifetime list of, you know, the horror movies that affect you and you remember them forever. We watch a lot of horror now and there's very few movies that actually, you know, stay with me in that way or change the way I think about things. Yeah. <laughs> so at that time, it changed the way I thought about things. So I read the book. Now the book is only like 200 pages long and it was published in 97. And it's the same story. It literally follows, you know, the movie almost to a T. So if you like the movie and you want to read the source material and get a little bit more character stuff, it's really <laughs> the plot as I remember really just follows, you know, the movie followed the book. Although the pacing was a little bit all over the place, which you could actually say about the movie, I think they did a better job in the movie with the pacing. I still enjoyed reading this book because it's 200 pages. It's not, you know, it's right. not a tomb by any stretch of the the imagination. And like the movie, the atmosphere, you know, one of the things about that movie is that the atmosphere for the whole thing is so tense and so gripping. And it was the same in the book. And I imagine that's what they got from this too, is they, they read that book and that atmosphere and they really replicated in the movie. And even though we all know the ending of this movie, that 20 or so pages at the end, which again, only 200 pages. So that 20 or 30 pages at the end, that is that climax of the story was still so painful and oh, so God. like so hard to just like, it's really hard to watch. It was so hard to read, but so kind of glorious. Like it, like if you're a horror fan, it's just, it, it hits on all cylinders. So even though the pacing was weird and that's why it's not, you know, a five out of five for me, it's a four out of five is mm -hmm. because, you know, the pacing is a little bit off and kind of like the movie. It's a, it's a little bit all over the place, but honestly that, yeah, it was good. I, yeah. I recommend it. That's if one, you're, that's one of your it. faves. It is. And, and I, so I had to read the book to check that out. So since this was the year of reading all the, a lot of old shit. So <laughs> what about you? I'm going to change the, the pace of this for a moment. I know this was not one of your favorites. I don't think you hated it, but you, you didn't love it. I loved the resort by Bentley little. Yeah. Tell, yeah. It, tell the listeners it's about so it. It's so bizarre. It, we read it for our book club. And I'd probably give this a four out of five. It's not a five out of five, but welcome to the Riata, an exclusive spa isolated in the Arizona desert. Please ignore the strange employees and that unspeakable thing in the pool. And when guests start disappearing, pretend it isn't happening. Enjoy your stay and relax. Oh, and lock yourself in the and lock yourself in after dark. Okay, so I had never read him before, and so I'm thinking that I'm going into something that is really serious and terrifying and it is it is there's a creep factor for sure but it is the most bizarre writing I've ever read <laughs> and I have never laughed out loud so hard reading a book that is in the horror section <laughs> this family ends up saving up all this money to go to this really 
what is supposed to be this very prestigious resort. And they're there for, I don't know, I think it's only a week. It feels like they're there forever because all of these really strange and kind of apocalyptic things start to happen while they're there. And each family member isn't really telling the other person that they're experiencing these things. And without giving it too much of it away, the next thing you know, you kind of feel like you're on an acid trip reading sure. reading this book because the way that little describes the supernatural, I think it, it, it feels almost supernatural uh, components that start to happen in the resort, which ends up being like one big fucking orgy. You are beside yourself in how absurd and creepy and funny it is. So if you like something that might make you laugh a little bit, but also still has have the elements of horror, I really, it was so different from anything I'd ever read. I loved it. I it's thought it was literally fun. the definition of like a what the hell segment in a My book. My God. Because we were doing a lot of that. We read it for our book club and uh, a patron of ours and listener whose name is Kate uh, suggested it. And she's actually read a lot of his books. And she says all the books are pretty much the same. So if you like that one, you should probably <laughs> get her recommendation on your next one because there are a few that have risen to the top, according to her. So that was a cool and that's an author and none of us had read before so we had a lot of fun i rated that one three out of five so okay. three out of five is for me for you, it's that's like, pretty good for me it's like it's just like with movies it's like it was solid and because it was i think the reason why it got a three for me even though wasn't my favorite thing is because i'd never read anything like that before yeah it was really unique yeah and when you read in a group you also get other people's opinions and that of course helped me because we have chats every sunday night we do a little like we do paste reading and so we do a little chat every sunday night and you kind of see how other people are excited about it and kathy was like singing its praises all the way through so you get to see it through other people's lenses in a book club which is really cool so I that, think if I would have viewed it as well, I think if I would have gone into it knowing that it was funny, I don't know if I would have enjoyed it as much. It's the how it kind of creeps up. How you were like, wait, what? And I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, this is because you. I imagine that what he's doing is almost putting you in that confused state of the yeah the guests, right? Yeah. And it, it and it worked for me. That's awesome. Yeah. Another book I read this year that got a four out of five from me, which is the oddest thing ever, is a book called The Jigsaw Man. Mm. And this is by an author named Gord Rollo. And he is an independent author, as far as I can tell. And from his picture, he looks to present as male. So I'll go with the he pronoun. And this is something that not a lot of people have read. It's a modern day Frankenstein a Broken Man Down on His Luck, Michael Fox, <laughs> not the star, is a homeless man living in a garbage dumpster beneath the Carver Street Bridge in Buffalo, New York. He's bitterly depressed and ready to commit suicide. Anything to put an end to his miserable existence. And then, and this is not a spoiler because it happens within the first 10 pages of the book. It's literally what happens right out of the gate. An offer too good to refuse. A mysterious billionaire surgeon offers Michael $2 million for his right arm. He thinks his luck might be about to change. Little does he know that the surgeon has other plans for him. 
I'm not going to read any more of the description. There's more of what happens on Goodreads. But for me, I went in cold. I knew it was a bit of a modern day Frankenstein, but I didn't know where that story was going to go. So let me just say, for an independent book, like last Christmas, we read an independent book uh, that I chose for our Christmas read that, that was awesome. And it's a book like I'd never heard of and a lot of people have never heard of. So sometimes you just happen upon these things. Now, this book, it's simple. It's like simply written. It's a fast read and it's an extreme horror. Like horrific things happen. Mm. But it's got a story and you care about this guy. Yeah. And that's why it's horrific. And some of the things that happen in this book you have never imagined. Mm. That's why it's horrific. Okay. But there's a story, like there's people in it that you care about. Yeah, that's and you're, great. And you feel that tension of like, oh, g -g run, or, you know, you feel that like you want to feel in a horror story. I cared about this main character and got, and got, it got sick really fast. Mm. The story got sick real fast. So it, it hops to it. It's only, it's like less than 300 pages. So like I said, it's simple, but it's, and it's fast. It moves fast. You, it, because it gets so sick so fast, so quickly, you, you think, well, where could it possibly go from here? Like they're never going to be able to like surprise me now or right. it can't get worse than this. So like, where are they going to go with this? Right. But it does. Yeah. And it, it definitely delivers. Wow. The jigsaw man. I think yeah. I've heard of this. There's a bunch of titles. Like if you look up the jigsaw man, there's a lot of books called that, but this is the one by Gord Rollo and it's an ebook. You have to get it on like Kindle or whatever nook or whatever you use. Excellent. So, yeah. I'm going to talk about, and I know you read it and I finally finished it, Shannon, but the, bo the book, A Head Full of Ghosts by Paul Tremblay. It's on my list too. Great. Yeah. So uh, I liked it for a number of reasons. It was very strange that the family's name was the Barretts. I saw that. I and like, the oh, dad's Kathy. name, the dad's name is John. And my dad's <laughs> name is Don. Um, and the daughter's name is Mary. And that's my middle name. So it, it just like, it was very strange at times, but we did not have this level of possession in our house. Although sometimes I wonder if we did. I don't know. The lives of the Barretts, a normal suburban New England family are torn apart when 14 year old Marjorie begins to display signs of acute schizophrenia. To her parents' despair, the doctors are unable to stop Marjorie's descent into madness as their stable home devolves into a house of horrors. They reluctantly turn to a local Catholic priest for help. Father Wanderly suggests an exorcism. He believes the vulnerable teenager is the victim of a demonic possession. He also contacts a production company that is eager to document the Barrett's plight. With John, Marjorie's father, out of work for more than a year and the medical bills looming, the family agrees to be filmed and soon find themselves the unwitting stars of The Possession, a hit reality TV show. When events in the Barrett's household explode in tragedy, the show and the shocking incidents it captures become the stuff of urban legend. And then what happens is 15 years later, they interview Marjorie, which is the younger, younger sister, or Marjorie's younger sister, which is Mary, excuse me, as she recalls the events that happened to her sister and in, in that house. And so part of the book is, is they're following uh, this investigative journalist is following her and trying to get an idea of like what really happened and was it a possession? 
was it mental illness and was it or was it something else? And so, you know, she it's through the narrative of Mary's experience. And so as you read the book, you you start to realize, like, is this a trustworthy narrative or did something else happen? What I really liked about this book is that it it twisted and turned so many times. There were a bunch of red herrings. There are a bunch of really weird things that change what you believe is going on, even up until the very end. And I don't want to give anything away because I, I feel like they did stick the ending and I thought the ending was great, but it is a combination of supernatural possession, mental health, and forensic. I mean, it was, I really liked it. Yeah, I really did too. And I agree with everything you said. So I don't have too much to offer, but I, I will say that I gave it a four out of five. Mm -hmm. So, and there's only a handful of books that I gave that to. And no surprise that another one of my favorites from this year has exorcism and themes <laughs> of faith and mental health, because those are tropes and subgenres. Oh, I just, I, I'm seeing your your review right here. Enjoy, oh, you know, those are subgenres that I enjoy, and mm -hmm. they often go together anyway. So, you know, it's a good book. Like you said, I I really enjoyed how the plot unfolds. I think there. I don't want to say too much because it would be very easy to spoil That's a lot right. of things. And I also enjoyed, and I won't spoil it, but I enjoyed the POV, like the point of views that they represented in the book and that they put you in. I enjoyed those as well. So yeah, that's Great. a really good one. Cool. The next one I want to mention is The Last House on Needless Street. I liked that one too. Catriona uh, Ward. I'm actually just about to start another one by her called Sundial that's supposed to be good. So we'll see. It got nominated for some awards, you know, Goodreads Awards or whatever this year. So we'll see about that one. But The Last House on Needless Street. Let me look at this up here. Yep. I gave it a four out of five as well. I thought that the atmosphere was interesting. It, it, it hit me kind of wrong at first like I wasn't really sure because the narrator is very obviously unreliable from moment one and they they tip you to that and you're like I don't try. you know that can go very horribly wrong for me when a narrator is not trustworthy but it can also be really successful and I thought this was really successful kind of in the end in other words I, I bought into it about halfway through and then by the end it was solid because I, I think we talked about it on the show. I think we both really appreciated how much research went into it. And uh, this is another book where there could be a lot of spoilers. And so I'm not going to go there. Try to enjoy it. Try not to overanalyze it while you're reading it. I saw a lot of people reading this book and trying to overanalyze what was happening. And this is my bias, but I feel like that really ruins it. <laughs> mm -hmm. I feel like, and I completely understand why people only attend our voice chats and not the every week paste reading sometimes, because if you sit and overanalyze it with each other, certain books, it just like gets to be too much. It's almost like, okay, I don't want to do that. I just want to like surrender to the book. And I feel like this was one of those kinds of books, but I would recommend it four out of five. So I liked that one too. Cool. It's a good one. I'm going to change um, pace a little bit here and talk about uh, more just of a, a 
a book that represents the genre of slasher films. It's not a new book, and it's a very well-known book, but it was the first time that I had read it, which was the book Men, Women, and Chainsaws by Carol Clover. You know, this is the woman who coined the term Final Girl. And I really loved this book because it does give a perspective on the influence of horror since the mid-'70s, specifically women's roles in the horror genre since the 70s and how they have evolved. Mm -hmm. Um, She looks in particularly at slashers, occult films, and rape revenge films. And these are films that Shannon and I talk about quite a bit on the show. She says, you know, although such movies have been traditionally understood as offering only sadistic pleasures to their mostly male audiences, Clover demonstrates that they align spectators not only with the male tormentor, but the females tormented, notably the slasher movies, Final Girls, as they endure fear and degradation before rising to save themselves. The lesson was not lost on the mainstream industry, which was soon turning out the formula and well-made thrillers. So she goes through a lot of the different films from the 70s and 80s and really points out some very profound patterns and, and ways that women's sexuality and identity were used, not just in objectifying ways, but also in very powerful ways, but how it has evolved since then. And she really is a pioneer, I think, in the way that slasher films have been um, dissected since she put this book out. And I think it was first put out in 1992. I don't know if there's been a republication since, but she's pretty pivotal as far as um, women in horror. And if, if you're interested in that, this is a really, really fascinating book. I enjoyed it. It's, it's good. I didn't read all of it, but I have read select chapters of it and Mm -hmm. I really enjoy it. I just haven't finished it yet. I kind of flip it around, flip, flip flop around in it. Yeah. Cause you can, you can do that with this book because each chapter is standalone in a way, at least from my impression. It was the book that really got me to um watch i spit on your grave because oh, i've been avoiding it for oh, a long time oh i know yeah. <laughs> yeah very popular movie though very popular series there are two more books that i would like to mention that are in my four out of five range and they're the only two left in my four out of five range so these are really the end of my top books that I read this year. And one is called The Troop by Nick Cutter, who's a very famous author. If you are listening to this episode and you read a lot of horror books, you've probably either read The Troop or one of his other ones. Once a year, Scoutmaster Tim Riggs leads a troop of boys into the Canadian wilderness for a three-day camping trip, a tradition as comforting and reliable as a good ghost story and a roaring bonfire. But when an unexpected intruder... Shockingly thin, disturbingly pale, and voraciously hungry stumbles upon their campsite, they are exposed to something more frightening than any tale of terror. So I'm going to stop right there. This has a really, as you can tell, it has a very good, great um, survival horror premise. Mm -hmm. And yes, I read Lord of the Flies back in the day. So this is there's a piece of that as you may as you may have gleaned from a little bit from that this gets very gross <laughs> so his writing is very good nick cutter's writing is really well done and when you have a very good writer when they write gore or anything gross it is visceral mm. so his representation of hunger his representation of psychopathic children on point 
Mm. And the gore, gross. Wanted to stop reading several times. Trigger warning for animals because this is survivor horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you kind of just never knew what these little fuckers were going to do. Okay. These kids. The, uh, mm. There's a chunk of this that is military interviews, which some people I know really liked. And other people like myself have trauma around reading World War Z. You know, it was supposed to be the relief because honestly, the the sections with the kids are so intense that then you have these interviews that sort of a pull out, you know, it's kind of the macro versus the micro story. And I was not as thrilled with the military interviews, but I saw what they were doing and I saw what part they played. So I was okay with it, but just a a little warning. If you, if you absolutely hated world war Z, you might have a little moment where you're like, fuck this man. (laughs) But I didn't always want a relief from the tension either. So people who need relief from that stuff might like them more. (laughs) I didn't always need that. Um, And then the other book, that's the last one on my four out of five list is I read the sequel to um, Darcy Coates's first book in this uh, series secrets in the dark. I wrote, I read the second one and I actually really enjoyed the second one. I, I liked it better than the first. I did too. Enough to continue reading to the third one. And now I'm in the middle of the third one and I can't get through it because it's like my same complaint actually about the second book because it's a four out of five, not a five out of five, is that, is this like trauma bonded couple thing that they're doing is, gets really exhausting. Okay. But in the third book, there's an introduction of a whole other piece of the puzzle that helps. But like I said, liked it more than the first. Um, There's more action in the second one than in the first, which I enjoyed. Because of course the first book, you're setting up a whole bunch of shit. Mm -hmm. So the action only came kind of at the end. Um meaning more fight, more adversity, you know, there, the, the couple gets like more real quote unquote, real feelings going. Cause I felt like the love connection or whether happened really fast in the first book and I didn't buy it. My only other issue, uh, <laughs> is there's a couple of things that happen in this book early on that just don't track in reality. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean sci-fi things. I mean, things that you couldn't do physically and you kind of like lose, (laughs) it's kind of lose the, you're like, no. And it's funny because I've seen it in some reviews. Like everybody reacts to this one moment in the book. Like what the fuck, man? Like no one could change. No one can lift an engine and put it in a car. Right. 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 (laughs) And and it just takes you out of it when something is so, so, so inaccurate. So there's little pieces like that, but man, still four out of five, the characters, the, right. mostly because of the fighting with the creatures. The creatures are really cool. They are fun. And the second one really does a lot. And the that. second one has yeah. a lot of creatures and I haven't read a lot of creature books. So you guys who have read a ton of them would maybe find this to be trash because you've gotten that vibe so often, but I haven't. So having a lot of creature fighting and having them be so freaking creepy. Yeah. Just good. really got me. Well, yeah. And, and all the moments where you're not sure if they're going to get in the car on time yeah, and they're yeah, coming yeah, out. Yeah. yeah, it's good. It's like the walking dead, you yeah, know, it and, is. and, and the the over and over and over and over again in the snow. Yeah. yeah. So it's cool. I'm just going to mention one more cool. for, I know this is not our true crime show, but I've been doing the, BTK series on our true crime show and yeah. um, little crossover little crossover. I've been using 
Dr. Ramsland, Catherine Ramsland's book, um, Confession of a Serial Killer, The Untold Story of Dennis Schrader, the BTK Killer. I really like these books because these are books based on their personal interviews mm. with these folks, mm-hmm. with these guys. And um, she does a really in-depth synopsis of of his psychology and just his his motives and his childhood because he she sat with Dennis Rader for quite a while and wrote this book and so if you like that kind of stuff where you want to literally get in the mind of this person and understand the psychology of this person and their their motivations and and being that the BTK killer is just so incredibly sadistic and unique in his own way and one of the most disturbing as far as I'm concerned which is why I chose to do a a series on him uh, I recommend this book it's called Confession of a Serial Killer the Untold Story of Dennis Rader by Catherine Ramsland great yeah and if you only listen to our horror horror shows and you have any kind of any inkling or interest in in hearing more about the BTK killer you know check our series out because Kathy has been obviously using that book for it and a lot of other resources and it's been really enjoyable. So if you want to get to know any of the other books that I read in 2022 or before that and, and read the reviews, they're all on my Goodreads and my Goodreads name is Shannon Sheree, just like it is here on the show. I mean, and I then, follow her. Yeah. I mean, if your friends don't, <laughs> it's a sad day. Thank you so much for listening. Did you have any Anything else? Well, we got to go over our horror facts. Oh, yeah, that. <laughs> Number one. Okay. The film Reanimator is based on a story by what human author? Human author? Horror I mean, author. I, They're all human. I was like, as opposed to the robots. <laughs> I mean, there is AI now. Uh, hmm. William Friedkin. I don't know. Uh, Lovecraft. Okay, cool. Number two, as of 1998, over 50% of Iceland's population believed in the existence of what? Fairies. Close. Elves. Oh, hey. I should have known that. I loved that little series, Elves. I wish, they, I wish they'd do it more of it. It was great. Number three, what is the purpose of a wealth therapist? Mm. I mean... I assume it's not the obvious. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> to build wealth, or well, you know, to look at your wealth and and put it in the proper balance in your life, or something. You're close. The bank hires them to help the ultra rich who cannot mentally cope with their immense wealth. Okay. Yeah, that was that's kind of where I was going. I have so but, much money, I don't know what to do. I mean, more money, more and problems. everyone takes advantage of you yeah. and all of that. More so. money, more problems. Oh, I believe it. What is exploding head syndrome? I don't know. This is this sounds terrible. I know I'm I awful things came into my head and I can't say them. You have to tell me what it is. Some people hear a loud bang when they wake up. It's not painful, but the sensation can be terrifying and they think it's caused by anxiety and stress. So like when they wake up in the morning, the first thing they hear is like a boom, like an explosion. Oh my god. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That'd be terrifying. Does it I mean, you may not have read anything about it, but mm-hmm. I just kind of wondered, like, you know, does it slowly go away, kind of like vertigo or something? <laughs> I think it. I think it can be something that goes away and comes back, or people have for long periods. Because if it's caused by anxiety and stress, I would imagine that's what they think anyway. That with anxiety and stress being managed, I'm I'm wondering, you know, 
Yeah, because like, you know how some things can, you know, just right. go away naturally and there's really no way no to reason. get it to go. Yeah. There's no way to get it to go away either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Anyway. Number five. According to Shelley Duvall, the infamous Here's Johnny scene took how many days to film and how many doors? I don't know how many doors at all, so I'll guess. Uh, 26 doors. And then I I do seem to remember it took like three or four days to shoot. Yeah, it was three days and 60 doors. Okay. So 20 doors a day if you're breaking it That's down. That's so that funny. Way. I was going to say 63 doors. That was oh, my first thought. And I'm like, that's too many, Shannon. You it always by overshoot three. it. Yes, by three. <laughs> I know. Oh, funny. All right. Well, thank you so much for that, Kathy. And I appreciate all of your reads and such. Thank you so much. We're ending ah. out the year having... Having hit our goals with reading, we wanted to read more horror this year, and we did it. So there you go. Yes, we did. Thank you so much for listening. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone.